2020. Welcome in to the first ranking show of the 2020 calendar year. The last ranking show, however, of the 2019-20 NFL and fantasy football season. I am Michael Beller, joined this time around by just Jake Seeley. We got rid of Brandon Funston. He was holding us back anyways. It's just me and Jake in this one. Jake, happy new year, my man. What's going on? Happy New Year. It's uh, I don't know, whatever the date is. It's it's still the football season. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is indeed. And the fantasy football season is done. Obviously, the NFL regular season behind us. We are moving on to the playoffs, and that is what we are going to talk about on this last edition of the ranking show for the 2019-20 NFL football season fantasy football playoff rankings. Of course, you can follow Jake on Twitter at All in Kid, and you can get me at M. Beller. This might be our last ranking show of the season, but still running our promotion. If you hit up theathletic.com slash the ranking show, you can get yourself 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. We got a lot of things we're really excited about coming in 2020. Of course, our best of 2019 still active, and you can check that out going over some of the best stories and podcasts that we produced in 2019. Fantasy Baseball right around the corner. Jake, I know you and I already thinking about this, and we will have a little bit of a new format for some of our Fantasy Baseball podcasts this season, but I think you're going to love it. I think you'll be really excited about it, so keep your eyes out for our Fantasy Baseball podcast, which are going to be coming at you sooner than later. I know it's cold outside in a whole lot of the country, but uh, we know baseball brings that spring thaw, so we can't wait to get that up and running. Now let's talk about some playoff fantasy leagues and some playoff fantasy rankings here, Jake. Uh, really quick, just a quick primer uh, for if you haven't played playoff fantasy. Uh, the way that most of them work is uh, draft and hold style. You have a draft before the playoffs uh, start, and as long as your guys are playing, they are accumulating points for you. Once they are eliminated, once their teams are eliminated from the playoffs, then of course they are done doing that. So there is a premium on teams and players on teams who are going to play deep into the playoffs. So you always want to start your playoff fantasy ranking system or your process by considering who you think is going to win a couple of games and go to the Super Bowl. That is the most important thing. So with that, Jake, I want you to give us your playoff picks before we get into your rankings. <laughs> yeah, I'm going back to what I started at the beginning of the season, and I'm going to say Saints to win it, but... I had the Saints at the beginning of the season beating the Patriots, and I don't think that's happening anymore. Uh, I would have to take the Ravens, although I could see the Chiefs being there. And to your point, that's what's going to come down to. It's going to come down to, you know, who do you think is going to be there? Because if you don't agree with me, you don't think it's the Saints, you don't think the Saints are going to have playing four games and win three to get there because they got stuck into the wild card. So you're going to differ from me, but that's. The also part of it, too, is you just mentioned that it depends on how you're doing your draft and hold. If you're able to draft the second quarterback, you know, and maybe you think you know, the 49ers are going to do it. So you want to try and chase Garoppolo or Lamar Jackson. Well, you don't have a quarterback for the first round. So, you know, if that's your matchup, then hopefully you, you know, have enough picks in your draft to go find somebody that's playing in the first round. And maybe you can get them late, hopefully, with the fact that maybe it's just a team that doesn't isn't expected to win, like Carson Wentz. So, yeah, you you want to go after the least potential empty spots you have because there's only so big your roster can be, and you definitely don't want to get to the championship game in the Super Bowl and having like three starters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely don't want something like that. And so you so you obviously are prioritizing Saints and Ravens. Uh, the the important thing to take forward uh, from your ranks, and I thought you did a good job of this, is that. You know, uh, reasonable minds can differ. A lot of people are going to have the Chiefs going to and winning the Super Bowl. You're going to see plenty of 49ers picks to go to and win the Super Bowl. Uh, so I like what you did with the uh, your rankings 
and then putting the players in tiers to let people, if they differ from what you think is going to happen in the playoffs, calculate for themselves uh, where exactly someone like, I don't know, let's say Jimmy Garoppolo should be. You only have, you have Garoppolo playing two games. Maybe someone has him playing three games. Or Aaron Rodgers, you have playing one game because you think the Saints are going to go into Green Bay and beat them. Maybe someone has Aaron Rodgers playing three games. So I think the discussion of exact rankings versus tiers is a useful one in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, how did you, uh, if people are able to look at your rankings, how did you uh, delineate where you had certain guys in tiers? Uh, it's pretty much the same way I would do in the preseason. It just comes down to the value of expectancy, just points per game, and not like what they scored this year, but what I would expect them to score because obviously Miles Sanders, what he scored on the entire season versus Miles Sanders this week, if he's healthy, isn't going to be the same thing. So it's just rankings as in tiers and values of similar players. You know, and Julian Edelman kicks off the second tier for the wide receivers. Mostly because we still don't know if he's 100%. You can make an argument if he was. You could be up there with the top four. But, you know, Julian Edelman, how much different to go all the way down to the last person in that tier in DK Metcalf on a game-per-game basis? Both of them could score 20. Both of them score five, you know. so And then you jump down to, like, the flyers that are, you know, either boom or bust and a lot more bust than boom, except for Cole Beasley. He's kind of that steady presence. But, like, Will Fuller, Greg Ward, saying what? So it's just it's very similar to preseason. It's kind of the similar players and similar tiers. So as you said, you know, if you're trying to decide between – Green Bay and well, you know, actually Green Bay doesn't even really have a well. Alan Lazard, I guess you could say him. There's a mm-hmm. there, there you go. There's a good one. We have Green Bay going further or Nelson Aguilar going further. I mean, it's not exciting to you know pick up Nelson Aguilar again if he's healthy, but you know him in that same tier versus one game versus four. That's how you know to decide to take the person you're going to have playing the four games. Yeah, talent versus games played to me is uh, I think something that uh, even for if you've played a lot of playoff fantasy is is hard to uh, really square your mind with. And uh, I want to talk about that here. Uh, you know, obviously the Vikings are the biggest underdog in the first round, uh, but they've got a lot of fantasy talent on that team. Delvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. We're talking about guys who in a regular fantasy draft, if this were August, you know, were getting taken in the top 40 picks across the board. Delvin Cook, a second round pick, and we know the sort of season that he had, but you have them winning or playing, winning zero games, playing just one game. And I think that's going to be basically a consensus opinion. You don't find too many people. You're not finding too many people picking the Vikings to go into the Superdome and upset the Saints. So when does that come into play? When do you dec- when do you consider taking uh, someone like Dalvin Cook over a Boston Scott if you think Philadelphia is going to play a couple of games or over maybe Gus Edwards? You know, if you think the Ravens are going to go to the Super Bowl, Gus Edwards is going to play three games. Dalvin Cook's going to play one. How do you make that decision? What's that process look like? And so on the flat, like the, the, like the, the put it in a vacuum, as people would say, it was my 12th running back. You know, it was one game of Dalvin Cook potentially scoring his normal 15 to 20 points. Well, that's going to be better than three games of Justice Hill. I mean, it's just how it comes down to it. But it also comes down to your roster construction at that point. You know, if you're probably not going to get Dalvin Cook if you don't want him for the fact that you don't think he's going to play more than one game because there might be somebody out there that thinks the Vikings can upset the Saints and they're going to be like, oh, I guess see that upside. If he gets two games, forget about it. Two games could be better than four of Latavius Murray. And it's the truth. So it's it's got to come down to your construction too. Is like I mentioned before too with Lamar Jackson, 
you know, if you're looking at this and you're saying, all right, I think that the Ravens and let's like, go to mine. Let's say I'm let's throw out the Saints and let's say I'm wrong and say the Ravens and the 49ers. A lot of people are picking that for that rematch. So you don't have a running back for the first round if you're attacking both those teams. Well, then go take Dalvin Cook because you don't care if he's one and done. So it's really going to come down to your makeup of your team. And obviously, if you have one of the first picks and you take Camara you're probably less inclined to have to take Dalvin Cook on the flip side if, you know, you have like the sixth pick and you're sitting there struggling and, yeah, yeah, I guess I'll take Moster or maybe you take a wide receiver and then you come back and take Cook. All right, now you have Cook, but then you have to obviously make concessions down the road for other backup running backs. Roster construction is obviously a key part of playoff leagues too, right? I think that's something that uh, is a big consideration, right? Uh, to me, it's it's games played, roster construction, and then who the actual players are. Uh, for for talking about roster construction, let's consider you're right about the Saints, or maybe you're not. Maybe you don't end up being right about the Saints, but obviously you think the Saints are going to the Super Bowl. I think the Saints are going to the Super Bowl. You said you think the Saints are winning the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I also have the Saints uh, winning the Super Bowl, uh, something I've talked about uh, all season a whole lot. So let's say you and I are sitting in a draft. Obviously, both of us are targeting Saints early. For you, does that mean you're just totally writing off the Packers? Because if the Saints do end up winning their first game, then uh, next week in the divisional round, they're going to be playing the Packers. So if you first round, you take Alvin Kamara. Second round, let's say uh, Aaron Jones is still there. Devontae Adams is still there. Are you, even though you think they're a better player than whoever you're going to take, are you just totally writing those guys off because of what you believe the Saints are going to do? No, see, there's times too, and I put this in the article, and I know uh, you saw it, and I know that's what you were talking about here is, if you have a tough call like that, like, you know, I, I don't think that one's a tough call, but if you have one where you're struggling, you're like, all right, maybe I don't see the Saints on the road going into Green Bay with a bye and pulling that game off, or at least the worst case, I see it being 50 50, and I don't know. Uh, then you can sometimes draft two team, two players, or two, two positions of the same game because you kind of cover yourself you're kind of hedging yourself and I don't want to overload my roster with that because <laughs> then you're still going to miss somewhere but if you go into this and you're like all right well I did already get Camara but heck Aaron Jones is still sitting on the board then you take Aaron Jones because if you're wrong about the Saints well now you still have Aaron Jones so you know same thing with this is kind of more you know that's the high level it's probably not going to happen but this is kind of more in the wide receiver range you know like the Ted Ginn's versus the Alan Zard or you know those type of things is you look at it all right worst case scenario I get the guy I didn't expect to be there who might have a little bit of value behind the guy that I like but you have it because you got the game wrong so you kind of cover yourself because the worst thing you could have is like going off your we all hope we're 100% right but there's going to be <laughs> right. only a select what's the odds like 10% of the people out there are going to have all the picks right through the uh, through the Super Bowl. So if you're wrong in some spots and you go that route and you're only taking Camara and then you're only taking, you know, Ted Ginn and then on the flip side you only take Mark Ingram and Willie Sneed if you're going that deep and and then you get one of those wrong, half your team is going to be gone by the championship round. So yeah, you can definitely make a it's a good strategy to kind of get those backup options just in case you're wrong. The way you're talking about this um, brings up to, brings to mind uh, for me all the different playoff fantasy formats uh, that you have, and there are a lot of different ways to play this. Right, there are people who 
play in actual leagues. I'm actually in the middle of a slow draft for a playoff fantasy league that we treat just like a, a you know a regular fantasy league where only one person can have one player. There are uh, leagues where they're more like pool formats, right? More like GPPs where anyone can have anyone they want, but you got to have one player from every team or you can't have more than two players from any team, whatever it might be. There are a lot of different ways to play right. playoff fantasy football. Uh, what, what's your favorite? My favorite way? Uh, yeah. I say it's a tie between the draft and hold and then the multipliers where because that's that's getting your picks right. That's kind of so, you know, that's kind of saying, all right, not only am I ranking the players properly, but I'm also right more than you are and then thinking who's going <laughs> to be the winning teams, because in that one, like you said, you can pick it. You and I could both have the same exact team. But on the flip side with that is the multiplier for people out there that haven't played it. You know, the if you hold the player, if you, he's on your roster for the next round, then it's two times whatever points he scores. Then if he's there again, it's three times. And, of course, you get to the championship, you get four times. And the big thing is, well, now that whole adds a whole other wrinkle to what we've been talking about where, you know, what if I have a situation where I do think the Ravens are going all the way? Maybe I draft Mark Ingram, leave my spot empty, because I know his two times value and three times value and four times is going to be more significant than trying to ride somebody who could be out in two games. And I still got those two games. So it has, it, I, that's a lot of fun, uh, you know, especially, and then if you're wrong in the championship round, that's a real kick in the, you know what, because you got all the way to three times value and you missed on that last one. Um, but you know, it, it I think those are the two of the formats that I like the best is the draft and hold the ones where you can use them once and then get rid of them. I, I don't hate it. That's a different strategy, too. You know, obviously this week it's kind of like, hey, go stack up on Eagles because nobody thinks the Eagles going to win, mm -hmm. that type of thing. But, you know, you could – that one to me, whereas, yes, you can do it right and do very well, if you get it wrong, it's that one just can really destroy you because, you're like you said, you eliminate players, and if you get a pick wrong, you're kind of out of it by the championship game, whereas these other two formats might not do as well, but you're still in the hunt. Yeah, I totally agree with you. In either of those – you even if it even if it's feeling like a long shot by the time the championship round is getting there, you're probably still on the radar, right? No one's falling off completely before the championship round in a, in a draft and holder in a multiplier format. So uh, those are the ones uh, I prefer. I like the draft and hold best just because I like the way it you know feels like a continuation of our regular season long fantasy leagues into the playoffs. Uh, but uh, they're they're both fun and they're both uh, ones that I will be uh, that I'm already in the middle of doing for this season. Right? There's no <laughs> end no end to the fantasy. Why would why would we let this before it has to exactly we should have. <laughs> uh, um, uh, any teams before we get into your actual rankings any teams uh you say right uh, we we all want to be 100 percent right we know we're not going to be 100 percent right most likely you still got to follow your convictions and target those saints ravens chiefs if you think they're going to be winning the super bowl uh seahawks maybe you think the seahawks are going whatever whatever your convictions are you got to follow them but are there any teams you're just like screw this team i'm just fading <laughs> these guys because they have no chance of playing more than one game I uh, I would put the Eagles there. I just yeah, I give them a ton of I, this is something I said in the article. I give Doug Peterson as much credit as I give Mike Tomlin this year. Both of them I think should be they're not going to be because, you know, a lot of it's, you know, teams that go twelve and four or something like that. But I think for what they've done with all the injuries that have been up and down this roster, especially the Eagles late into the season, I think both those guys deserve credit for you know, at least consideration for coach of the year. But at this point, 
the Seahawks, uh, you know, this is a team that could have had home and field advantage, you know, one wrong play, delay a game. This is our championship roster. The Eagles are lucky to be here. And if it was for the fact, if you flip the Steelers in this and the Eagles, Eagles aren't even in the playoffs. It just yep. so if you look at it that way. Uh, so I, I don't think the Eagles are winning one. And as much as I would love to see it happen, just because Ryan Tannehill has been really fun. And Ryan Tannehill has actually had the Patriots numbers a couple times. I don't see anybody walking into New England and winning that game unless you're Baltimore or, you know, I think the Bills might be able to surprise, but unless you're a top team, the Chiefs, like, I just, I don't mm. see the Titans going into New England and winning a playoff game. I just don't, I don't see Tom Brady and Bill Belichick letting that happen. So the Titans and the Eagles are the two where I'm, I'm kind of writing them off. Yeah, that's, I think that's totally fair. And uh, I'm with you on the Titans. And the, the, I think an interesting thing to think about, though, just using my own draft that I'm in the middle of as an example, uh, that's the game I feel the least confident, actually, in picking a winner this week, Tennessee and New England. Bill Belichick, obviously, just maybe the most uh, intimidating element in the entire playoffs after you get past, <laughs> like, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and then Bill Belichick, basically, right? The most intimidating elements that we have active in this year's playoffs. But even though I think that, it got to a point where, hey, A.J. Brown's sitting out there in this league. Hey, Ryan Tannehill's still sitting out there in this league. And I ended up stacking the two of them thinking if they do surprise and they win one game, I almost don't care what they do uh, against yeah. the Ravens in the second round because I'm getting two games out of Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown. And I think it's on the table enough to make them a worthy stack to target late in those draft and holds. So just something else to consider. Uh, so other ways to hedge against your own picks. That's something you got to be keeping in mind. And of course, a realistic path to victory in draft and hold is, I think, the key thing to have in your mind. Think about what's going to happen in the playoffs and then build a roster that mirrors what you think is going to happen. Talking about those rosters, talking about those builds, let's actually get into your playoff rankings. Let's talk a little bit, carry over a little of what we did in the regular season in this ranking show to the playoffs. So we're going to start at the quarterback position. For me, the thing that jumped out is Lamar Jackson and Drew Brees in your rankings. You have Drew Brees playing four games, Lamar Jackson playing three games, but Lamar as the number one quarterback and Brees as the number two quarterback. How did you end up making that decision? Yeah, that came down to it's kind of like the points per game expectancy. And if you go back to the regular season of fantasy football, you just look at it. So this is something we talked about on uh, the, the throwback shows. We did our MVPs last week. And I said the MVP is not named Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, because as a quick sidebar to that, I don't remember the last time we've seen that big of a gap at three positions. Like we've seen gaps like this before, but not three distinct gaps where there's not even a discussion. I mean, these mm -hmm. all three of them should be walk-away MVPs at their position in fantasy. And you look at it, that's because Lamar Jackson is six points per game. Six per game. So basically, you're looking at it, Ridiculous. all right, three games, and that's over second place. That's Jameis Winston. So let's talk, That that's the big thing. So now you drop down to, well, okay, what's Lamar Jackson versus Drew Brees? And now you're talking almost eight, nine points per game. So, you know, yeah, Drew Brees should be able to score eight or nine in one single game and overcome that. But, you know, now you kind of factor in things like, well, am I right about him playing four games? What kind of risk does that outweigh versus knowing Lamar Jackson is going to basically score 25 points in three games? You know, Drew Brees could have a 13. He could have a 30. He could go. Back. So it, that's where it comes down to. It's a very slim margin, but that's why. And let's acknowledge this. I mean, you and I both have the Saints winning the Super Bowl, but – I mean, after this game where they're eight-point favorites, eight-and-a-half-point favorites against Minnesota, they're going to Green Bay. If things follow, they're going to San Francisco. I mean, that is as good as we think the Saints are, and clearly we think they are right. very good. 
that's a tough path. I mean, we could very easily be wrong about that. Yeah, and then not even that. We could be right, and because of the path that you're mentioning, it could be the Drew Brees on the road in a tough environment, cold weather Drew Brees on the road, where it's 13, 13, 13. They win all the games, but it's not a great fantasy performance. Yeah, so uh, it's, uh, even though even though we like the Saints, that's something that uh, has to sit in our minds. Uh, one one game quarterbacks to me are pretty interesting in fantasy leagues because, and you know, really a lot of one game players uh, because. I mean, we see it all the time in the regular season. Dude can have an awesome game, but his team loses. Uh, but if it's a big enough game, that does contribute to a playoff fantasy format. So are there any one-game QBs? Let's say you just get shut out at the position for whatever reason it might be. <laughs> any one or you know one-and-a-half game expectancy QBs who you prioritize over the others? Mm, I would say, you know, it's funny because you said the toughest game of the first round it was the one with the Patriots. I actually think it's the Bills and the Texans. I have the Bills mm-hmm. winning. I think the Bills are the more complete team, top to bottom, and don't really have a real weak. I mean, you could say there's weaknesses, but I mean, like, a glaring weakness. And that's why, so I have the Bills winning one game. So in mine, the easy answer would be Deshaun Watson because the Texans could easily win that game. Now two games of Deshaun Watson. Uh, funny thing enough is the NFFC the uh, one of the heads of it tweeted out yesterday and it said for those that you think you need for a quarterback to play four games you don't the most common quarterback on rosters last year for championship teams was actually Deshaun Watson who played I think two games last year or maybe it was whatever yeah I think it was two uh so the point being is you know it comes down to as you mentioned before it's roster construction but that's the thing is like it's not like those teams didn't have a quarterback but, you know, Deshaun Watson playing one game, let alone possibly two games. All right. Well, that's fine because I can back it up. And as you said, yeah. that's that especially at quarterback. That's the easiest way to do it. It's like maybe you say Deshaun Watson and Josh Allen. Well, you know, unfortunately, you don't think either one of them make, making the championship game. But if you go back to yours, like the Patriots and Tannehill, you know, maybe those, you know, both of those could at least make it to the championship, maybe even the Super Bowl. So I would say Deshaun Watson is the easy answer. The funny thing was the second one would be what you just said is Ryan Tannehill. It, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, I don't think it's happening, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans did pull it off. Didn't the, the Texans only played one game last year, right? They lost to the Colts. Did they? Was it only one? That's so. They said, there you go. That's even one game yeah. as a quarterback was the most I mean, common roster. But that's, you know, that goes to the point too. Is like you know, again, understand you can make the concessions of all right. So I draft a Sean Watson. Well, maybe I draft a Sean Watson and. You know, maybe maybe I went running back and wide receiver heavy, and I draft Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and you know I have three quarterbacks, but you know one of them's making it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, again. That's what I love about playoff fantasy. There's so many different ways to build what could be a winning roster, but then once you start on a path, you have to follow that path perfectly. Not perfectly, but with a lot of uh, vigor, right? I mean, yeah, because that's pick, pick your lane and stick to it. Right, and that's what I was gonna say. Is like don't don't start like going down a certain path and then all of a sudden pivot because that's the worst thing you could do. Yeah, all right, you're gonna come out of your draft and be like, well, I'm screwed if blank happens, but you're also probably going to be the winning team if it doesn't. So and that's the biggest thing. Is like so I'll compare it to one thing in regular seasons. You know, people worry about buys, and I had one year. I think it was two or three years ago now. I had a ton of people on week nine by. And by the middle of the draft, I said, you know what? That's going to be my coin flip now. Now I am going to take the people on the buy because week nine, I'll have you know, one tenth of my roster, but the rest of the season, I'll have nearly 100%. So I'll almost forfeit that one week. So I went mm-hmm. down, I, I, I went aggressively after that path. That's, that's, that can work and cannot work. The, to your point, I 100% agree with you, Mike. 
when you're in the playoffs, if you start heading down a path, stay with it. Because if you're trying to play 50-50, it's actually going to burn you versus going one way or the other. Absolutely. At the running back position, uh, one and two, you have Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. No explanation necessary there. Great players. You've got the Saints playing four. You've got the Ravens playing three. Obviously, those two guys are going to be your one and your two. Uh, To me, the most interesting part is this group of two-game running backs that you have next. Raheem Mostert, Devin Singletary, Damian Williams, James White. Uh, Then one step down, you have uh, Sony Michelle after uh, Latavius Murray. You've got Latavius Murray playing four, so you have him slotted one spot ahead of a two-game Sony Michelle. So Mostert, Singletary, Damian Williams, those are the first, and then the two New England guys. What sort of gap do you see between those uh, or among those five guys? Is, is like Mostert significantly better than Damian Williams, uh, or is this something that's closer <laughs> than it might seem? So Mostert, yes, but... Not if it's the Damian Williams we saw at the end of the season that we all drafted in round three, hopefully that we're going to get that for the entire year. Because what have we said time and again about the Chiefs is like, hey, you know, give us the running back that's getting 15 plus touches in that backfield and we want them as an RB1. We finally saw the Damian Williams we wanted. So if it's that Damian Williams, they're, they're side by side. I mean, there's no question about it, but I just don't know what we're going to see with Andy Reid and Damian Williams. And is this truth about... The load management for Lomashaw McCoy, was that a real thing? We're going to find out if he was bullcrapping us or not because when that buy, if they come out of the buy and Lashawn McCoy gets 15 touches, he was telling the truth the entire year. If he comes out and it's still Damian Williams leading that backfield, he was shoveling us a load of you-know-what. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see, but that's why I have Damian Williams there because I do think he's their best option. And assuming he's healthy, obviously they do have their buy. So they're kind of back to back. The drop, the drop off for me is that I would even put James White in that group. The drop, drop off is kind of obvious if anybody's looking at this. I would say it's Latavius Murray. As soon as you hit Latavius Murray, you're saying four games of a backup running back versus two games of a quote unquote lead in Sony Michelle. And so I, I would, if you kind of put these into tiers, I would say it's the top. Well, the top two. And then I would say right. the next four of Mostert, Singletary, Damian, and James White. And honestly, Damian Williams, especially if the Chiefs don't do what I expect, and that's, you know, win the game instead of losing against the Ravens, and they play three, and it is Damian Williams' backfield, he deserves to be up there with Kamara. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's going to be a big one, right? You're, if, if, we, if we're as confident in, it, in getting a Ravens-Chiefs-AFC championship game as we are, then I, we could see some uh, playoff fantasy championship swing on who took Mark Ingram and who took Damian Williams, because Shh, if we do get that game... <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's we're talking, right? Hedging against your own picks. Yeah. I actually have both on actually two different teams. <laughs> hey man, that's uh, I feel like I feel pretty confident that you're going to have a starting running back playing in the Super Bowl. I would hope so. <laughs> can, <laughs> I, well, can we just get the like we we talked? I think you and I talked about this back with Brandon too before. Can we just get Ravens, Chiefs, 49ers, Saints? Can we just agree like let's just do that? I mean, I would. That would. I would give like $50 right now. Just to, I would contribute <laughs> to that. Whoever can make that just happen so we get these would have clearly been, to me, the four best teams in the league all season. Get them as the final four teams. I would make sure, like, I don't want, you know, no offense to any Packers fans that are listening to this, I don't want the Packers mucking this up and taking out the Saints and being in the <laughs> NFC Championship game. <laughs> I just don't, like, I don't want to see this Aaron Rodgers in the championship game. Yeah, like, right, did, right. If we were talking about three years ago, yeah, sure. That excitement all day long, but... Uh, I, I, yeah. I don't want this version. Patriots upsetting the Chiefs. Like, please no. Oh, I please think everybody, I think you've got 99, basically, unless you're a <laughs> Patriots fan, I think you've yeah. got the entire United States saying, all right, enough with the Patriots. Can we get somebody else? 
Uh, well, hey, Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers' teammate Aaron Jones, he was a fun guy to watch this season. You have him playing one game. You have Derrick Henry playing one game. Let's say you thought the other way. Let's say you thought they were one of those teams who didn't play just two games. How much higher in their rankings would they be? Would you, uh, either of those guys be? I think even two of Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones has to put them in that same group with the Mostert and Singletary. It's just the fact that if it's only two, it comes down to, you know, it's two. What are you doing for the championship game and the potential Super Bowl? So, and I know there's a lot to go back to that multiplier too. There's a lot of leagues where if you're in one of those ones where you can pick anybody and they can't play twice, like you get to the championship game and you're locked. You that whatever your roster is is the same one for the Super Bowl. So there's a lot of formats that are like that. So that could swing things too. Uh, but I would have to say the way that Derrick Henry's looked this year, I mean, he's the Russian leader. He would have to be in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And honestly, two games, even Dalvin Cook, and two games of any of these three guys. And well, you know, three games of Mark. That's I would even have that conversation in my mind. Three games of Mark Ingram, not knowing if he's you know going to be the you know a sixty yard game or a sixty yard with a touchdown or a hundred and ten yard game. Like he could have that kind of low floor type of game. Is two games of these guys worth three games of Mark Ingram? And I think that's a conversation worth having. So to your point, again, if you differ, if you disagree, and Dalvin Cook is a hundred percent, all three of these guys deserve consideration. Yeah, and especially Henry and Cook, guys that you're not going to have to use much draft capital on to get because those are the two teams that uh, a lot of people are fading in Tennessee and Minnesota. How about the wide receiver position now? Again, similar thing here. You've got Michael Thomas first, Marquise Brown second. No explanation necessary. And then uh, an interesting cluster of two-game guys, Tyreek Hill, Julian Edelman, Tyler Lockett, John Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, (laughs) DK Metcalf, and Cole Beasley. Uh, I think also no explanation necessary for Tyreek Hill at the top of that list. But then the rest of that group, how close are those guys to one another? Uh, they're all very, very, very close. Actually, the cutoff would be right before Cole Beasley. And a full point PPR format that you're playing in, Cole Beasley can kind of put his name in that conversation. He's look. This is the same thing I said in the waiver column all year long. This is a reason why I had a group of like I tried to tell you. Like there was a point with Cole Beasley is after about three or four weeks. The tr- the reason for the I tried to tell you was. I've got nothing left to say. I can only tell you so many different things in different ways about Cole Beasley. You either want him or you don't. If you want Cole Beasley, you want your safe 8 to 12 points per game. You know, maybe once at, you know, what it happened like three times this year, you get a huge game from him. But you either want that or you don't. So I would actually kind of put him just right behind that group where all of these guys uh, throw out Willie Sneed. The only reason Willie Sneed sneaks into this group is because he's got mm-hmm. three games, one extra full game of Willie Sneed, seven to eight points. You know, most of these wide receivers, you know, they average nine to 11. So one game trumps that very easily. So I think that you look at any of these ones, if you have a third game attached to any of them, you know, especially Kansas City, San Francisco, if you differ on that, they're now up there in that top group. Where same thing with Marquise Brown, you drop all game from him and he's probably down by Cole Beasley. That was my next question was Willie Sneed is in here. So one game is really worth that much. You just answered it yourself. So, uh, so thanks for, thanks for, uh, thanks for doing it right there. Asking and answering (laughs) the next question. You got to love that. Let me ask you this then to replace that. Um, let's say you do have John Brown. Are you more inclined to take Cole Beasley if he's still there? Are you just more inclined to say, screw it, let's Uh, bet on the bills. And if they, if if they win a game, (laughs) I'm getting four games out of these two receivers. No, see, that's actually, especially at wide receiver, that's where I will try to attack two teams a lot more because, you know, the depth of the position, the variance in the position. Uh, I I will actually say, you know, if I drafted John Brown, 
Well, then maybe I go willful. I can't. I hate Will Fuller so much. But <laughs> for those out there that him. can, <laughs> for those that can live with Will Fuller, then I'd be like, you know what? I'll draft Will Fuller because that game doesn't go how I expect it to be. Well, now I have Will Fuller for two games, and maybe one game of Will Fuller makes up for four of somebody else because that's what happened. This is a sidebar. I tweeted this out. This is why I hate Will Fuller. One game was <laughs> like forty-six percent or somewhere is the mid forties of his entire season. You couple in the only other game where he hit a hundred yards 60 something freaking percent of his season this is why i hate will fuller but anyway i, I sorry I digress. Can, can you tell i hate him <laughs> i can tell you hate him and we're going to get into someone else that you feel the same way about in a second but how many people just uh, to, to take that sidebar one step further how many people actually had him in their lineups that week too the th- uh, 300 yard whatever three touchdown week whatever yeah and that's my biggest thing about him and that goes back to jared cook before this season is jared cook was like you either have to play him. Here's the best one, you know, for people that won't disagree because they'll remember it. Remember Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson, look, you either stuck him in your lineup and played him for 16 games because you could never predict which the five games that were going to be, or you never drafted him because if you tried to, as you just pointed out, if you tried to play the mix and match, a lot of times you missed the big game because you're just like, oh, I'm so frustrated at this point. And then you plug him back in your lineup, and he falls right back on his face. So you actually just double hit yourself with the negative because you missed the big game, and you got the game that you didn't want to get in the first place. It kind of goes to everybody out there. You mentioned it. We're starting to get into fantasy baseball. These are like those pitchers. Like uh, I'm trying to think before. I was gonna say Hinjin Rue before. No, oh, you know who's a perfect one? Michael Pineda. Michael Pineda. There for everybody go. out there that plays fantasy baseball, knows exactly what I'm talking about. You either playing for Errol thirty starts or you don't mess around with them because you never know when you're going to get 10 strikeouts in seven innings or two innings in seven earned runs. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a perfect analogy, and it really does apply here to guys like that. And we're going to talk about Jared Cook uh, just in a bit, but I do want to hit you on one more question here that uh, comes to mind as we're talking about these receivers. We've mentioned it a few times here. Uh, as much as confident as we are in what we think is going to happen in the playoffs, we know that we can't guarantee anything. So, you think that the Texans are going to play one game. But do you really think of it as one game, or do you think of it as like 1.3 games baking in the uh, possibility of you being wrong and of them winning a game? <laughs> I don't bake it in, but in my mind, I kind of will, because that's like, that's you know, all right, well, if I am wrong, you know, because I say it's almost like a confidence factor. You know, if I'm super confident, yeah, like, yeah. Like I don't see the Vikings winning New Orleans at all. That's a solid one. I mean, that's just there's nothing added to that. There's no ten percent, twenty percent, third, whatever. But if it's like, especially like the Bills and the Texans, that I mean, it might be to your point of like one point three. It might be like more like one point five, one point six. Just you know, so like to kind of factor that in. So I didn't do that for my own projections and rankings, but that's something to consider. That's a really good strategy when you're drafting your own team. All right, I've stayed away from it enough. Obviously, we're just going in quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, positional order. But this also gets us toward the end of the show with a really fun discussion. Your guy, Jared Cook, on top of your (laughs) tight end rankings. I feel like this is a very special moment, Jake. I I did I wanted to just leave it blank. I just want to put you know, in my rank I want to put like Voldemort's face there instead. <laughs> just uh you know for credit where credit's due. Like this season, you know, I said that heading into this year, I wouldn't put him in worst place. I still wasn't going to draft him because I know how big of a disappointment he could be because every time we expect him to pay off, he doesn't. The, he did pay off this year, and it wasn't there wasn't unpredictability. It wasn't he went out there and smashed against Chicago, and then came up nothing against Arizona. You know, outside of being hurt, and outside of like two or three kind of subpar games, 
He was one of the best tight ends in fantasy football. I can acknowledge when things happen, and it's not saying I still hate the guy as in, like, I still hate him for fantasy purposes because <laughs> now what's going to happen next year, he's going to be drafted as, like, a top three, four tight end right behind the big guys, depending on what happens with Ertz and his health and everything like that. But, I mean, it's going to be Kittle and you know Kelsey, and then the conversation is going to start with him in that mix, and I just that's where I'm going to be jumping off board. But four games of Jared Cook. I mean, you put four games on Andrews, Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz, they all deserve to be the number one, and he's the only one I have for four, so he edges out Mark Andrews. Yeah, you're going to see some big names right behind Jared Cook. You mentioned Mark Andrews, your number two, and then Kelsey and Kittle coming in at three and four. Again, this is all based on game expectation, but how close was a two-game Travis Kelsey or a two-game George Kittle to a four-game Jared Cook? Yes, that's a huge gap because Jared Cook, you know, He's not that far behind either of them in, you know, the projections on the fantasy points per game. Now, if we were talking four games, like let's say, let's say the Titans not only surprises, but they surprise us the entire way. They're in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. We have Jono Smith of four games. Jono Smith wouldn't check in in front of two games of Kelsey and Kittle because on the per game basis, Jono Smith is probably like six to eight. And, you know, he might pop off for like a 13 or 14. But as we've seen, he also, even with the full complement of snaps to himself, puts up three. So Jono right. Smith of four games wouldn't trump two games of Kittle and Kelsey, who two games of Kittle and Kelsey, basically anybody after from Jono Smith down, if you're looking at my rankings on the site, they'll be better than that. To me, the most interesting part, actually, of the tight end position, especially because of the big guys, right? Jared Cook, uh, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, is where they rank not at their own position, but compared with their teammates. Obviously, right. uh, not to uh, you know belabor a point that probably doesn't need me- uh, mentioning, uh, teammates are going to play the same amount of games. So obviously right. you have Michael Thomas ahead of Jared Cook, but I'm wondering how you make a decision on Kelsey versus Tyreek Hill, Mark Andrews versus Marquise Brown, and Kittle versus the San Fran receivers. So then now, so it's funny because somebody even asked that in the column is they're saying, well, if you had a choice of this or this, or this somebody was like, oh, it sounds like somebody's playing the NFFC. Jake's probably not going to tell you. <laughs> like, <here's the> thing. <laughs> I'm always going to tell you exactly what I feel. That's why I told my people in my home fantasy league, I was like, don't ever ask me a lineup question if you're facing me or if we're in a playoff contention situation. <laughs> it's like, it's not going to lie. I'm going to lie to you. I'm just not going to answer your question. Like, don't waste your time. <laughs> so I, I will help you guys in the NFFC because we're all like, I'm not the only one out there with advice. So it's not like, but to answer your question, it comes down to the replaceability factor. And that's why, you know, two games of Kelsey, as I just mentioned, if you don't get Kelsey, you know, now you're drafting Janu and Rudolph and Fells. And like, I mean, you're drafting like two, three tight ends and trying to hopefully get, you know, somebody to cover all of your games and just to make up what they could get. Like go back to Kelsey. Let's say I'm right. They only play two games. That just hell. Let's say he only plays one game. Let's, the Chiefs get upset. You know, you're getting probably 15 points out of Kelsey, whereas it's going to take three games of some schmuck like uh, sorry schmuck. I don't <laughs> want to call him that. Like hopefully he's not listening to this podcast, but like Kyle Rudolph, it's going to take three games to get that. So that's where it comes down to is the drop off. You miss Tyreek Hill. You know, three games, four games of Willie Sneed. It's probably going to take that many, but you can make that up a lot easier than you can at tight end. Whereas, same thing with the running back. You know, wide receiver is the most replaceable position. I'd say quarterback right behind it. 
Jake, we talked about this earlier in a ranking show. You're a Notre Dame guy. You go to your first game in South Bend, and then you call a Golden Domer Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> hey, I'm always going to be honest. People know that I, I said <laughs> I, I said do not believe in or draft Equinemius St. Brown, and people kept trying to promote. Like, hey, I will always be honest about my own guys. That's why you can know that I'm never a homer. I'll be honest 100% about the Giants all the time. So you're are, are are you saying all these tight ends over all the receivers, Kelsey over Tyreek, Mark Andrews over Brown, I Kittle over the receivers, I think is pretty non controversial, the San Francisco receivers. But yes. the, the Kelsey and the Ravens and Chiefs discussions are a little closer, but you're saying tight ends across the board here? Yeah, I would basically yeah, the top four, I'm not throwing in Ertz because he's not a hundred him heck, mm-hmm. he might not even play at this point. But the right. top four tight ends, I would draft all the actually, you know what? for me, it's Michael Thomas. Is Michael Thomas is my one one. Obviously, yeah. for everybody out there, if you got four games and you believe the yeah. Saints are going to the Super Bowl, there's no question. But for me, if I'm drafting, it would probably be actually Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and then the tight ends. I would go Cook, Andrews, Kelsey, Kittle, and then I would circle back to wide receiver and running back. And you're doing all those ahead of QBs? Uh, it kind of depends on your confidence level. Like for me, mm-hmm. I got to tell you, the two games of Kelsey and Kittle, I, I love, but... I mean, you're getting if you really like. Hey, if you're as confident as I am as Lamar Jackson versus Drew Brees, and they go all the way, I I would take both of them before I take Kelsey and Kittle. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fair point. And um, but I, I'm with you on the Saints that Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, those should be in in what in what a standard playoff fantasy league looks like. Those have got to be your top picks if you believe that this team is going to the Super Bowl. And maybe I mean, I think that they're the only team with a realistic path to four games. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would definitely say the Saints are the only one. That, I mean, you got to look at the AFC side. Is I guess maybe the Patriots that they shock us, but I just I think there's just too many flaws in the Patriots at this point. But I mm-hmm. that would be the only one that wouldn't shock me is if the Patriots kind of figured out a way to do it again. Seattle? Uh, no, I just think for what's happened now at running back, and it's fun as it is to see. I love Marshawn Lynch being back there, mm-hmm. but we just seen there's they, they got too many. I I say too many ways to get tripped up at this point with who they have to face. Actually, if the things go as planned, they're going to face San Francisco again. And this time in San Francisco. And I know they won earlier this year, but I I don't know if I just don't see them beating San Francisco. Yeah, going on the road and winning that game. Even if they did, right, then you're talking about going to Green Bay or New Orleans. I agree with you. I think that's the perfect way to say it. Obviously, this is a team with a very high ceiling, but too many ways for them to lose considering the opponents they have to play to get to the Super Bowl, to feel good about them getting all the way through that and clearing all those hurdles and getting there. We feel very good about uh, the Saints, and you've got the Ravens, I've got the Chiefs, I've got a Saints-Chiefs Super Bowl, you've got a Saints-Ravens Super Bowl. I think we would be very happy if either of those things, that's just pure (laughs) football fans, came to fruition. So let's cross our fingers and hope we get something like that. And of course, that Chiefs Ravens, Niners, Saints, Final Four that we've talked about going back, you know, weeks, months now uh, on the ranking show. Hopefully we get something like that. And that is going to end our final ranking show of the season. It has been a ton of fun. Obviously, a big thank you to all of you out there for listening to this ranking show. Uh, We'd just be speaking into the abyss if you weren't out there listening. So thank you so much for joining us for four and a half months now, five months going back to draft season and being here with us every single step along the way. Jake, it's our first time that we've done. I mean, we've known each other for a long time. and We've done a lot of uh, crossover work at our different uh, stops along the way in our careers, but it's the first time we've got to do a dedicated show together week in, week out. It's been a ton of fun, man. 
Yeah, it's been a great time. It's a good way to start the, I guess, close the season slash open the new year. Absolutely. This is uh, the best way to do it. I'm so excited for these playoffs and excited to keep playoff fantasy football rolling, fantasy football rolling for one more month. Of course, follow Jake on Twitter at AllInKid. You can follow me at Ambeller. Take advantage of the ranking show promotion in our final edition of the season, theathletic.com slash the ranking show. Get yourself 40% off. Treat yourself to a little gift for the new year. Treat someone maybe to a belated holiday gift. Maybe you forgot about someone along the way. You can do that for them as well. And you're going to get access to Jake's rankings column for the playoffs that we've been talking about for this entire episode and the final episode of the ranking show once again thank you so much for joining us all season long for jake seeley i'm michael beller good luck in the playoffs happy drafting if you're still doing it let's all go out there and win some playoff fantasy football championships over the next month cheers